0: Welcome to the True, True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Okay, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show first-time uh, guest James Laird. James is the president and broker of record for CanWise, and he's also the co-founder of RateHub.ca. James, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Andrew.
0: Thanks for, thanks for being here. And... James, I wanted to just start things off, uh, let people get to know you a little bit. So, why don't you tell us about yourself and how did you get started in the real estate uh, and mortgage industry?
1: Yeah, so I've been in the real estate and mortgage industry for about eight years now, I guess. Um, I started kind of a funny story actually uh, watching The Dragon's Den in 2008. Um, I saw a company called True North Mortgage present um, their mortgage brokerage business model which was uh, retail-based store locations where you could walk in and, and get your mortgage and um, so I cold called the founder of that company um, and ended up buying into the company um, and this was before I knew anything about mortgages or real estate but I, I thought I could figure it out and I liked the business model. So. Um, He had one of those uh, store-based locations going in Calgary, so I went out for a few months, learned the business, and then moved back to Toronto and opened three of these uh, mortgage kind of branch-type things um, in Toronto's past, Uh, they're in the financial core, and I also spent a summer in Montreal opening up a location there, Um, so that was the first six years. 2009, that brokerage. Um, we started looking at the online space, and we were the first um, purchasers of online leads from a company called Rate Supermarket. I um, kind of opened my eyes to the power of the internet, and um, so that's when I partnered with uh, a friend from business school, uh, Alyssa Furtado, to um, to start Rate Hub in 2010. Um, and so um, my brokerage was kind of a customer of our other investment being RaidHub, um, for from 2010 to 2014. Uh, 2014, I sold my stake in True North and um, launched a new mortgage brokerage, um, which is fully owned and operated by Ratehub, called Canwise Financial, so it's been around for two years. Um, we've got offices in, in Montreal, Toronto, Calgary, and Vancouver, about 30 staff, and uh, we'll close about a billion dollars of, of mortgages in 2016. So that's kind of my quick uh, eight-year history within uh, the mortgage space.
0: What um, What do you like best about the mortgage industry? What are you most passionate about when it comes to your business and, and mortgages? Yeah,
1: so first of all, I, I do truly love being in my own business. Um, and uh, this industry uh, fosters a lot of entrepreneurship, so um, I I love that part of it. But uh, on a more detailed level, I like how mortgages and real estate, um, they're vitally important to almost every Canadian. Um, So no matter who you you meet or talk to, um, you're interested in, in what's happening with their mortgage and they're interested in hearing what you have to say. Well, at the same time, um, mortgages are a huge financial instrument that causes uh, billions of dollars of revenue and profit for major companies both in Canada and abroad. So I love the duality that it matters to each Canadian, but it's also a a major major financial industry as well. So I, I really enjoy those two parts.
0: What would you say, having been in the business for a while and just speaking to specifically to the people who listen to this show, which is a lot of real estate investors and condo investors specifically, um, there's a lot of good mortgage brokers out there, um, but there's very few great ones, as in any, any industry. You've obviously risen uh, to the to the top of your world, and you're certainly known as a great mortgage broker. What do you think separates? the great mortgage brokers from the good ones?
1: So I think uh, within the mortgage brokering industry um, there's a tendency sometimes to look at things not through the eyes of the customer but through the eyes of uh, you know what's good for me as a mortgage broker or the mortgage brokering industry and I think that can sometimes lead to um, a, not a good customer experience. I think that As technology has changed, as um, customers are demanding more speed, more efficiency, and and quite frankly, uh, better pricing, better interest rates, uh, sometimes um, people in the industry are a little bit slow to react. So, I think that um, it's really important, uh, if you want to be a great broker, then look at things through the eyes of your customer and, and deliver what what your customers are asking for and 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 make sure you're aware of how uh times might have changed. What customers wanted fifteen years ago might not be what they want in 2016. So I think that's been kind of the key um the key to sort of building my business has been to uh just build build it in a way that people want to use you and I I'm always very clear on my value proposition and I think um as long as you're clear on on why should someone choose your brokerage over another brokerage and another bank if you're very clear on on why and it makes sense to you then it it should make sense to um at least a percentage of of the market available
0: well James obviously want to get your take today on the new mortgage rules that everybody's talking about um in in this industry mortgage and real estate everyone wants to talk about these new mortgage rules that just came out last week. Um, what are the new mortgage rules and how do you think they're going to affect the market? I know it's a big question, but that's sort of a starting point. We'll have a we'll have a discussion, but that's basically what we're trying to answer here today is what are these new mortgage rules and, and how are they going to affect the market?
1: Sure, so let's start with what the new mortgage rules are. Um, the easiest one to understand is uh, going forward, um, customers who put less than 20% down and get a 5-year fixed rate until recently they were able to qualify for their mortgage at the actual interest rate that they will pay. So, For example, 2.29, 2.39 are the current 5-year okay. fixed rates. Um, going forward, that'll still be the interest rate that they pay, but you'll have to qualify um, at a higher rate set by the Bank of Canada. So today that rate is 4.64. So you'll still pay that lower rate, 2.29, but the amount of mortgage that you can qualify for will be dictated by that higher qualifying rate. So that's reduced affordability um, by about 20%.
0: Wow. So 20%. Um, So it's reduced affordability by 20%. I guess another way you could look at it is in a sense, the government for those buyers that you just described, which is a lot of people, the government in effect just raised prices of all real estate by twenty percent.
1: Yeah, that's another way of looking at it. Um, certainly.
0: And so what? Be, go ahead. Um, sorry. What? Uh, what? What other rules are there? What? What? Um, what else is coming into play? And are there some things that we don't know exactly what the rules are yet?
1: Yeah. So. Um, the other major announcement from last week was um, a tightening of the types of mortgages that are eligible for bulk insurance um, in Canada. So, um, and for anyone listening, bulk insurance is something that's used um, by both bank lenders and non banks. What it is, is they can take a pool of conventional mortgages, so people have put more than 20% down. Um, They can take a pool of these mortgages which the consumer has not paid high ratio insurance and get bulk or portfolio insurance on a big pool of mortgages. Um, And why this program has been important is because it helps the non-bank lenders specifically sell off their pools of mortgages to um, investors usually with big balance sheets. And what this program has done is bring competitiveness to the large banks. Uh, It allows non-bank lenders like First National, like MCAP, to offer very competitive rates, um, often through mortgage brokers, to compete with the big banks um, and make sure that the banks aren't gouging us too hard on mortgage interest rates. Um, And that ultimately has been passed along to... The Canadian consumer in the form of of more choice and a more competitive mortgage environment, um, therefore, lower mortgage interest rates so um, so going forward, um there are four transaction types which will no longer be eligible for this bulk insurance program um, so they are um, rental uh, mortgages for properties being used for rentals. Um any refinance, which is a major category, um, mortgages with amortizations longer than twenty-five years, and mortgages on homes with a purchase price of higher than a million dollars. Um so it, it does cover a, a fairly broad spectrum of of the mortgages currently being done, particularly refinances. Um, so, so yeah, so those those are the rule changes and what will no longer be available for bulk insurance.
0: Right. So we're getting a bit technical here, James. Obviously, yeah. we may have lost some people here, but that's okay. The people, the people, no worries. The people that are still with us are getting a lot of value out of this conversation, and it's uh, it is a very important conversation yeah. to have. And a lot of people, it's one of those things the average consumer is not thinking about it. Right. Um, certainly, the average person who's not an active, either an active uh, real estate investor or somebody looking to buy a home for themselves. It's just not something people are thinking about, but it is something that will affect a huge, huge percentage of Canadians potentially. Um, So basically, I mean, from my understanding and the way you're describing it, it sounds like the non-bank lenders, which as you mentioned, the first nationals, the MCAPs, the people who give Canadians mortgages who are not one of the big five banks. Yes. Uh those people are severe restrictions uh have been put on those those entities, um, which is gonna make it harder for them to, to lend money. Is that is that basically the a good summary of that?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fair way of stating it. Yep.
0: And how does that, and how is, so how is this going to affect the consumer? How is this going to affect the, and again, in particular, people who are listening to this podcast, real estate investors?
1: Well, like, so real estate investors, um, if you're able to stay with me through that, uh, detail, one of the types of mortgages that isn't available for bulk insurance is rental properties. Um, so we've actually seen, many of these non-bank lenders actually cancel their rental programs. Um, They may try to relaunch something with higher interest rates eventually, but as of now, they've lost their ability to uh, sell off um, mortgages for rental properties. Um, And we all know that whenever there's less competitive pressure, um, it means prices go up. So um, ultimately, I think it means that there's, there's less choice for which lender uh an investor can go with, and that the the banks will have more of a monopoly on this type of mortgage a rental mortgage um and we know banks love their profit so um higher prices less choice so ultimately it's um it's it's not good for a a rental investor
0: and Right. So just to be clear on that, um, it, it's potentially not good in the sense that uh, there may be less choices in the marketplace for the rental investor. Um, their mortgages. Right. They, they're they still free to go to the big five banks and to the knowledge. It, has anything changed? Let's talk about that. Has anything changed from what you have heard or understand with the way that... Um, investors will if they're going to a big five bank to get a mortgage has anything changed there or is that still the same
1: interest rates will go up there as well see um the, the big banks they they have a balance sheet so they have the ability to loan their own money uh but in most cases they were still buying this bulk portfolio insurance anyways because it I won't get into the details, but they they were using this program. They they didn't need to use it, but they were still using it um, to a great degree, so uh, them not being able to securitize these rental mortgages means that funding them is more expensive for the bank, so even those lenders who can still offer this type of mortgages will be charging higher interest rates because it's not as profitable to do so anymore.
0: Are there particular banks of the big five banks? Are there, from your knowledge, are there certain ones that uh, were using this in bulk insurance versus others that were not using it?
1: No, they, they were all using it to a a very uh, high degree. like they were um, you know 70, eighty percent of the loans on their balance sheet would carry bulk insurance.
0: Okay, so they are no longer eligible to um, purchase this bulk insurance and to uh, bundle up these mortgages and sell them off to other uh, Again, institutions. To yeah,
1: um, I will. Like once, once a pool of mortgages has this bulk insurance, it becomes the highest quality of asset available because it's backed by the government of Canada and our banks actually need to keep a certain percentage of this highest quality asset on their books to meet um regulatory requirements okay and so with without the insurance it no longer meets that highest quality of asset test anymore therefore it's not as not as valuable um and so yes banks have h- huge balance sheets but um, th- there's a limit to those and um and so they, they don't love using up their balance sheet uh, without getting the highest asset class available.
0: Okay. So there's restrictions, there's tension, there's uh, a constricting of sort of the, the funds available. Um, there's potentially, like, we'll explain to us how the costs will rise. Like, Does this mean the banks will have to sort of self-insure so their costs will rise to lend money?
1: Yeah, that that's a reasonable way of looking at it. Um or or even let's let's use a first national for example, the the largest non-bank lender in the country. Um who they fund about 10 billion dollars per year. Uh they're going to have to go back to the companies who were buying their pools of mortgages and say, "I know you used to buy these pools of mortgages with insurance will you still buy them without insurance and if so, for what price? And so um, I do believe that those some companies will say no, we can't buy this anymore because it's not a risk-free asset guaranteed by the Government of Canada but some will say yeah, we'll still buy them but it'll just be at not as good a price i.e. we need a higher interest rate on this stuff. So. That, that again, will just mean that First National charges a higher interest rate to the consumer so that they can still sell off that portfolio of mortgages now without insurance.
0: Right, right. Okay. Um, now let's talk about first-time buyers. Um, obviously, at first glance, it seems like first-time buyers are maybe the biggest losers out of this whole scheme. Um, at least from my perspective, what what's your? Is, would you agree with that assessment, or what what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, I, they're definitely hit hard. Um, like they're they're mostly affected by not this technical bulk insurance stuff we've been talking about, but more by um, the tougher qualifying criteria, i.e., the Bank of Canada rate applying to everything. Um, so. As we were discussing earlier, their affordability drops by about twenty percent, which is tough
0: yeah absolutely and and just how do you think it's gonna shake out in the market itself like what what are the implications in the marketplace of this in your opinion like you're talking to first time buyers every day like uh you're you're telling them one day you can afford a million, and then next week you got to say it's eight hundred thousand like what? Uh, how do you think it? Like, what people will actually respond, and how what will happen in the market?
1: Yeah. So I think um, one of three things will happen to <clears throat> that first-time homebuyer who was all set to buy, but now they can afford twenty percent less. I think that they will either one remove themselves from the market for a period of time, so I rent a little bit longer while they save up. Perhaps a larger down payment, so that they can put twenty percent down and they're not susceptible to this new qualifying rule um, or um, their incomes increase so that they can qualify for more mortgage um, or two they will we are seeing a lot of wealth transfer from the baby boomers to kind of the millennials, yeah. um, so they will basically shake down their parents for more money so that they can still get that house that they wanted uh, under the old rules. So they'll just get a larger down payment so that they can still get the same amount of house. Um, <clears throat> or three, they'll still buy and they'll just buy less house. So that would probably mean that you know, the person who was thinking they were going to get a semi-detached house, they might be buying a condominium now. Um, that type of thing. So I, I think one of three things will happen and, and those are the three.
0: Right. Um, do you think, uh, again, you're dealing with buyers, uh, from across the country. I'm interested to hear your take on like, do you think Toronto and Vancouver will feel this differently from the rest of the country? And if so, how?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the markets in Toronto and Vancouver, um, are so strong. And as you know, the the supply of housing available to purchase has been low. Uh, it's been less than the demand. Um, so does this have a cooling effect in those hot markets? It, it absolutely does. But I, do I think it's enough to, you know, cause a correction or this type of thing? I, I really don't. Um, so I think certainly cooling effects on Toronto and Vancouver, but not you know to the degree of a of a correction but in the smaller markets where um you know prices were pretty flat to begin with um i do think this could cause a downward pressure on prices um an example would be calgary <clears throat> excuse me um calgary's prices were already down about 5% year over year um And so this removes more people from the market. They can qualify for less, which, uh, increases the downward pressure on prices. So I do think this is going to push, uh, places that were flat or declining already are going to be pushed down even further.
0: Um, and final question about this whole thing, like in terms of how it's being implemented, um, if you are speaking to the, uh, the Department of Finance, the federal government. What, what would you say to them? What would be your advice on this policy? Um, you know, and would you, would you, would you, would you say good job, or would you say uh, do it's horrible, or would you say uh, it's good but implemented in a certain way? Like, what, what's your, what's your advice if, if you're speaking to the government right now? What would you say?
1: Yeah. So I think, um, speaking to the government. Um I knew that they had to act. Um, I, I get that. They they needed to do something. And I think all of us within the industry, both within it and investors and all that, we like to see stable appreciation. We don't want to see, you know, booms and busts and that type of thing. So we do appreciate um, you know, ensuring that we're not getting into a bubbly type situation. So um these rules and some of the rules in the past that have sort of tightened things up—you um, know, many of them, I think, have been prudent and, and well thought out. Um, the, the things I'm most concerned with really are a, a fundamental um, a fundamental change to the competitiveness um, of the lending landscape in Canada. I think that, and so again, we're talking about the bulk insurance rules here, where um, it has fundamentally, it, it looks like it has fundamentally changed the ability for uh, the non bank lenders to compete with the banks. And I think that's a detriment to everyone in Canada, whether you got your mortgage from a bank or not. If you got your mortgage from a bank, you still are happy that the non bank lenders are there in the marketplace, keeping the banks honest, providing competitive pressure, keeping rates at market levels. And when the, if, if, some of these disappear, um, then our banks, which make uh, the most profit per capita than any banking system on earth, uh, will be able to to make even more money. So, um, you know, a a tightening of some of the qualifying criteria, you know, reducing amortizations from 30 to 25 years, yeah, these things are are not illogical, um, but a fundamental change that helps the group that's already fairly monopolistic in our country and, and hurts the smaller business trying to compete with them. Um, I do not think is, is good policy. So, um, and I don't think that's what they had in mind either. So I'm, I'm hoping that as they understand the ramifications uh, and how it's helped one group and hurt the other, that they may uh, tweak some things, change some things to make sure that we still have a, vibrant uh mortgage brokering community backed up by banks and non banks alike to bring uh choice to Canadians and um and to keep interest rates low for everyone.
0: Well that's great. Well said James. Um is there anything else that I didn't ask you about these new mortgage rules that um that I should have that we didn't cover?
1: Um, at the risk of getting technical. Um there are still some more changes coming about um we know that um, they're they're looking at increasing the amount of capital that all lenders in the country have to keep when they provide a uh, a mortgage loan so to an investor to a That's consumer all that means is once again it's more expensive to do mortgage business in the country so that puts upward pressure on rates again so that change is still to come. Um, they're they're examining it right now, so expect an announcement with regard to that in the next two to three months. Um, so yeah, so there's lots of change to come, and uh, we're, we're definitely not uh, through talking about um, how mortgages and, and uh, how they affect real estate are changing in Canada.
0: That's great. Well, it'll be very interesting uh, next couple of months as uh, as this all shakes out. Um, James, if people want to get a hold of you or reach you or find you online, what's the best way for people to do that?
1: Uh, email is james at canwise.com. Um, you can find me on the website, canwise.com. Phone number is 416-504-3379.
0: Great. Okay. Thank you very much, James. Appreciate your time today and hopefully we'll have you on on the show again soon. Thank you very much for having me.